Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. There's buyers and there's sellers. And as a seller, you know, my advice to every entrepreneur is get enough money you can happily walk away because there's a good chance you won't be happy when somebody else takes this thing you created. That's Bill George, our guest today on Talking Business Now. George is the CEO of Kansas City Transportation Group. He talks with us about how he joined the business with his father, how they grew it together, how they sold the business and then bought it back, how the transportation industry is evolving, and what that means for on-demand transportation services like his. Bill, I just want to welcome you to the show and find out how you got involved in the transportation industry to begin with. Thanks for having me on. You know, I, I grew up in the car business. My father was a uh, Chrysler dealer for many, many years. Always thought that would be the business I'd get into. And back in the uh, late 70s and early 80s, he was selling cars to some people that had cab companies and both of them went bankrupt. And he ended up owning a lot of taxi cabs, but then owning a taxi cab company. So with some partners, he uh, formed a company called Metropolitan Transportation Services, or Mitzi, and bought the assets of Yellow Cab and American Cab out of bankruptcy. And I joined in 1985. We built up and expanded the business together in 1997, sold it to a public company called Coach USA. I stayed on to run it for them for about five years, made an offer to buy back the Kansas City operations, which I did, and, and renamed it Kansas City Transportation Group and expanded the portfolio considerably. And then turned around and sold that to a French-based company called Transdev in 2007. I've remained in uh, Kansas City, but also oversee Transdev's portfolio of cab companies around the country. A buying and selling going on there, all kinds of dynamics at work, working with your father, a family business. What drew you to working with your dad? Was it just something that you always knew that you were going to be doing from the time you could think about what your future was going to be like? Or was there some circumstance that drew you into the business? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, I, I grew up with three sisters. My father was a, a serial entrepreneur, obviously based in the car business, but some other peripheral businesses. Our relationship wasn't playing catch in the yard. It wasn't going fishing. It was me going to work with them. You know, every day during the summer, every Saturday, every holiday from school, I ended up going to work with him, and I, you know, he he allowed me to be exposed to a lot of the inner workings of business and, and attend a lot of meetings, and it was just a great education. That was our bond, and to this day remains so. What was it like, though, working with your father? You know, he founded the business, and he is still involved in in some respect, I understand. And so, you know, as as all of these different sales have taken place and then repurchasing, how have you managed that relationship through all of that? You know, um, it's rare. There's there's always the the theory of you know thunder, wonder, and blunder between the generations. And you know, the the first one, the founder comes in with the thunder and gets everything happening. The second generation just wonders and hopes to hang on one usually messes it up and we were fortunate in our relationship and I, I give all the credit to my father that he would allow me to go out and fail and even if I had an idea that he had tried before or didn't think would work he'd refrain and let me experience it on my own and sometimes he was right other times I surprised him and was able to make something happen from it so it was it was a great relationship in that way the company was large enough that we could each go into our own direction mm-hmm and you know, it's, it's a process, and, and you know we haven't worked together since 2000, actually since 97 now I think about it. But you know, we're, we're extremely close. He's in the car deal. They, they went back after we sold the 97 back into the dealership business. There was times that we would have a knockdown, drag out fight that we wouldn't speak for two or three days, and 
and then finally we got to the point that we might have that same knockdown drag out fight, but we go to lunch together 30 minutes later. <laughs> and so it was finding that balance as to, you know, how to, how to have a, what was a true partnership. And I think that what I believe strongly set the foundation for the success we've had. Let's fast forward and let's talk about staying relevant in the transportation industry, the ground transportation industry. We've got Uber, we've got Lyft, there are autonomous vehicles. There's just all kinds of disruption going on in the industry right now. And along comes your smartphone app, Ztrip. Talk to us about how it works and how it's also allowing you to stay up with all the changes going on. Well, I'll tell you, our first, you know, there's, there's two things to go back in our history that, that really set us up for this. One was, most cities, the cab business is highly regulated. Kansas City went through deregulation in 1984. So as I got into the business, you had to learn how to, to navigate it, where the city was actually setting the fare that everybody could charge. And the only way to distinguish yourself was based on service. So that was a little bit different than what a lot of other operators around the country had seen. And then probably the second most inspirational thing for us that allowed us to, to navigate the new marketplace was, and then tell you a personal side of it, I went through a divorce about 10 years ago. And as I was going out, you know, you realize you go to dinner on Monday or Tuesday night, this whole group of people that you weren't really exposed to before. As I got around and, you know, I live in Johnson County at the time, and you, you see people that are out and they all said, hey, why can't we get a cab out here? And the reality was, there was no cabs out there because there was no demand and there was no demand because there was no supply. And I started talking to people about it. It's like, you know, if you had a cab out here, would you use it? And the reality is most people are only going two or three miles, you know, to where they need to go. We would have a lot of yellow cabs down on the plaza, but none of them were going to drive 20 minutes out south for four or $5 trip. I started asking people if they'd be interested in taking it, if it was available. And the two questions was how much and how long? And I said, what if it was $10 for up to five miles? So that would get you most anywhere you're going to go. And we had it here in 10 minutes or less, which back then, this was seven years ago, eight years ago, was a unheard of thing to get a cab in the suburbs in 10 minutes or less. So we started the company 1010 Taxi. Started with five cars centered on 119th and Metcalf in Johnson County. The thing exploded. And we went from five cars to about 180 cars within the next 18 months. 90% of that business was net new. Um, you know, we took a little bit of share from some other people, but the majority of it was just brand new business that was created. Mm-hmm. So that was our first eye-opening experience. The second thing of living in the Midwest is when you saw what was happening with the trends, especially out of California, you have some time to prepare for it. So we saw what was coming with the disruption, realizing that you know both those companies are massively funded through Wall Street, but they also have massive losses. But they did something that we would have never been able to do, and that is they changed people's behaviors. Yes. The market itself continues to expand. So our goal was, look, we're not going to beat them in a head-to-head battle. How can we make ourselves relevant and play around in the areas where they don't do as good a job as we do and really exploit what the differences are? And that's what the basis was. We started renamed 1010 Z-Trip and took it nationwide. You won the 2014 Taxi Cab Fleet Operator of the Year. It was a major industry award. What is it that's been your secret to success? Honestly, the people I surround myself with and... My objective has always been, I know what my strong points are, but more importantly, I know where my weak points are, and I've tried to hire people that excel where I'm not good. I look at things in a very big picture way. I have people that I trust that challenge me on that, and then once a decision is made, they're the ones that grind out the day-to-day. 
the ego set aside, that we, we hash out deals. And I think I go back to my days, you know, we described with my father that, you know, you would have knocked down, drag out fights over it. And, it, and that give and take was fantastic because it yielded a better result and you see it from a different angle and then everybody knows what the role is in advancing the idea forward. And if we failed, we failed quickly. Yeah. And, and then moved on to the next thing. You went through so many different ownership changes and that usually requires a lot of maneuvering to blend cultures and so forth. So talk to us about how you work through those kinds of challenges. When you sell, even though both times I've stayed on with the organization, in my opinion, there's no such thing as a merger. There's buyers and there's sellers. And as a seller, you know, my advice to every entrepreneur is get enough money you can happily walk away because there's a good chance you won't be happy when somebody else takes this thing you created. And when they bought it, they have the final say on these decisions. That's what happened with our previous company. They were uh, based in Scotland, Coach USA, and it was just a disaster that they tried to turn our operations into cookie cutters. And I'm of the philosophy in the business that we're in, 80% of it can be uniform city to city, but it's that 20% local knowledge and local flair that makes or breaks you. And they were very resistant to that, and that's why I became somewhat disillusioned and, and made an offer to buy it back. I've tried to control it with this new company a little bit, but as, as subsequent to that, as fast as the marketplace is changing, and that's really the key, you have to be nimble. And some of these larger corporations don't understand that, or they're just not set up for success that way. And so we've been able to keep it very decentralized, where we, we really just use back office support and some things that we don't have our, our local talent tied up with, but then really be in tune to the marketplace and exploit any advantage that we can find to grow our market share. What does the future look like for your company? I will tell you that you know, it's a 33-year career for me. It is by far the most exciting time. And there's two things that have happened. As I mentioned, with all the money that's poured into the industry through the new players, they change people's behaviors. And Kansas City was such a driving town and, you know, Everybody went with my car. And the fact now that people just say, I know I'll get a car. You know, I don't have to plan ahead. I don't have to have a designated driver. We don't have to think about this. We go out. We estimate in Kansas City alone, the market for on-demand transportation has increased 400% in the past five years. It's incredible. So it's phenomenal growth. And at the same time, there's really interesting dynamics. You know, what most people don't realize is, you mentioned Uber. Uber still loses $10 million per day mm. worldwide, $10 million per day. So we look in and see how the business has changed, what customers want, and how we can profitably take the pieces of the business that we want and put together a you know, multi-faceted operation that serves customers, but really with the focus on both the backseat customer as well as the front seat driver. And I think that's where we really excel. You mentioned also on demand. And what I read into that is a point of distinction, because in addition to Uber and Lyft, there are some new things, especially in Kansas City, where you do a lot of business. You have the scooters that just came. I know those are for short, very short distances, but you still have those. And you also have the streetcar. Has that changed things at all? Word for anything that gets people out of their car. So take the streetcar, for example. If you knew you could get from home to work reliably on the streetcar, or any kind of mass transit for that matter, you may give up a car. And if you give up a car, that's a potential business. We've always looked at it because our competitors are not other taxi cab companies or the rideshare services. It's you getting behind the wheel of your own car. True. And so if 
The last study that was done, just to give you an example, KCI Airport, 91% of the passengers arriving or departing to the airport did so by private passenger vehicle. The remaining 9% was everything from rental cars to hotel shuttles to on-demand transportation and airport shuttles. To take that 91% and bring it down to 81%, we can double our market share. Oh, that's significant. And that's always where we focus is how do we get people out of their cars and into the system? And then that, that helps everybody, and it allows us to really focus, as I mentioned, on the areas that we think we excel at versus the competitors. As I mentioned, you do a lot of business in Kansas City, but you are in multiple markets. What are some of those other markets, and what are your plans for them? Uh, we're in 19 different cities right now with Zutrop, and personally, I've been acquiring cab companies so in the past, uh, since actually April, Omaha, Lincoln, Fort Collins, Colorado Springs, Boulder, Pensacola, Albuquerque. We're staying in second and third tier mm-hmm. cities. I think there's just tremendous market potential there, and we're currently looking at about five other cities right now. Thank you so much for your time today. Much continued success. Thanks for having me on. And I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to visit the Talking Business Now website at talkingbusinessnow.com for access to all my podcasts and to sign up for the weekly Talking Business Now newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.